Well, welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. Uh, this morning I'm going to be talking on the fivefold household of God. Now, I've done this before, this teaching, but I think it's time to kind of refresh our uh, understanding and uh, memory of it and what it says in the Word of God. So I'll be bringing that today. But first of all, I'd like for Brandon to pray for me. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we do boldly come before your throne room of grace and mercy, full of praise and adoration for who you are. We receive your anointing this morning through the teaching. We do call forth the anointing upon Prophet Leslie from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. We thank you, Father, so much that your presence is here today. We feel it. We love you. We thank you. We receive your power and might. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. So, the fivefold household of God. What is it? And we've, uh, we do these type of teachings like in our seminars in like other countries, Honduras, Pakistan, uh, Malaysia, uh, because everybody has to have an understanding of what it means. Some people that think that they're an apostle, and they, that's not really their anointing, their calling. Some people think that they're a prophet, and that's not really an anointing or calling. Uh, some people think that there's, they're an intercessor, but they're really, their anointing is a teacher. You know, the, the list goes on and on. And some people are supposed to be, we're all supposed to be doing something for the Lord. Some people are in the government of helps, for example. Um, just helping, that, that is so vital to the church. It's, it's really important to, not, to understand that just because someone's an apostle, a prophet, teacher, evangelist, a pastor, they have to understand, maybe that's not your calling, but you're, you're in the government of helps. Uh, that maybe you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. I mean, there's so, many, there's so many jobs that the whole body of Christ is supposed to be doing. So we need everyone, everyone. But we're going to talk today about more of the household of God, the fivefold ministry team that's supposed to be heading up in churches. They're supposed to be the leaders in the churches. Again, that does not diminish those that are in a government of helps and also being servants because, again, we're all supposed to be servants. Jesus was the greatest servant of all, and so we're supposed to follow after him. Now, let's talk about some things. So the fivefold household of God, there's first the apostles, then there's second is the, the prophet, third is their teachers and evangelists and pastors. Now, I want you to understand here just a minute um, because the prophet's going to have the most um, definitions about it because <laughs> it's kind of a complex job. It doesn't mean that the others are not. It's just that there's a lot of different um, aspects to the prophet. And I, I, so many times people just say, I'm a prophet. And I have a book called uh, What It Takes to Be a Prophet. And I've had people thinking they're a prophet and they read that book, What It Takes to Be a Prophet, and then they go, I'm not a prophet at all. And that's good to know. Because it's for some reason, everybody wants to be a prophet. I don't understand why. Because there's um, great responsibilities, I think even more so than the other of the fivefold with a, with a prophet. And you're also very sensitive. We'll get into that in just a minute. Now, in Ephesians 2.20, it says, The household of God is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So in the church, there should be apostle and there should be at least a prophet. Uh, there, should, there could be more in the church. But the churches really shouldn't be just headed up by the pastors. There can be a lots of pastors in the church. Uh, the pastors will find out are those that people go to because um, they call them because they're in the hospital or something like that. 
Um, but we have to understand that the apostle and the prophet should be heading up the churches, and that's very little that's going on in the churches here, at least here in America today. Uh, John fourteen twelve says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And then John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We have to understand that we have authority that we maybe don't realize we have. We have to understand that we as Christians, we can say, Satan, there's a new sheriff in town, even in your house, even in your church, even with your friends. And we have to, again, we have to understand what authority do we have because we can do greater things than even Jesus says here in the Word. In Luke ten nineteen it says, Behold, I give you power to tread upon the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of all the of over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you praise god do i hear a praise god in here and all those that are watching online hopefully you're saying praise god because he's given us power do you know i believe that every every christian or everybody that's going to be accepting jesus christ as their lord and savior has a desire to have the power operating inside of them that's why so many get off on the wrong power they start serving satan or these cult-like um, uh, ministries out there i hate to call the word ministries but the cult-like uh, places that they go to because they're trying to search for the power not realizing that if you just accept jesus christ as your lord and savior uh, then you have the power and you have the power of the holy spirit working and operating inside of you so i encourage you to, to come to the lord if you haven't already and we'll give you opportunity at the end here to receive Jesus uh, as your Lord and Savior. But everybody, I want you to say, I have power. And I want you to mean it this time. I have power. Amen. We have power to trade upon the serpents. All those things are coming against us. I mean, we're all getting attacked all the time. And as a matter of fact, if you don't feel like you're getting attacked, then you're not doing enough for Jesus. Okay, so the more you do for Jesus, the more attack, but the more um, uh, testimonies you have, because Jesus will, is going to give you that power to tread upon that enemy. And Matthew ten one it says, and when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Praise the Lord! Amen. We can take authority over it. You know, Jesus is the healer. But he uses us as a willing vessel and also just encourages someone's faith and also your faith as you lay hands on someone or even speak to them, maybe over the phone, that you're going to pray for them that they are healed and that all sickness, all disease is gone from them. Amen? Amen. How many of you have operated in that area of your life? Every hand should go up and say, pray for those that have, that have kind of sickness in their life. Um, in Mark thirteen thirty four, it says, For the Son of Man is as a man taken a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. We have, again, we can give the authority, we can speak, we can speak authority in someone's life, and as a fivefold ministry team, uh, we can say, you have authority, you have authority, you have authority. And we can help people to understand that they can believe that. And it says, every man. Every man. Now, the top of the chain here would be the Holy Spirit, of course, right? 
Then we have the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastor and the evangelists. And I put pastor here several times because um, there should be many pastors in a church, those that have a calling on their life. Some have a greater degree of anointing and, and um, opportunities than others, but uh, if they have such a love for the people of God, then they're, they're really considered a pastor. Now, everybody should be an intercessor. We're all called to be an intercessor. Now, I put it on the outside here because without intercessors, the church cannot stand, right? It just can't. And we have intercessors that have a strong anointing as, a, as an intercessor. Um, and we'll talk about them here in a minute, too, but everybody's called to intercede. It's just that some have a greater anointing, greater calling than others, just like the rest, the apostles and prophets and so on. Now, the first one I talked about is the apostles. And now, if I'm mentioning these things to you, and if this is like, that's me, that's me, that's me. You know, I ask you to, as I go through all these different teachings and and describing who the apostles are and the prophets and so forth, that you'll, you'll pick one that you think is you. If it's none of these, it's okay. That doesn't mean you're not important to the body of Christ. It means you are like a helper, you're, you're a servant, and all again, all those things have to be, the, in, in, or maybe you're an intercessor. All those in the body of Christ have to work together, and they're so important. Um, but, you know, some of these you might say, well, I want one of these fivefold uh, anointings. Well, maybe you don't, Right? If you talk to some of the apostles and the prophets and so forth and pastors, you're going to find out that it's not as much fun as you think. <laughs> but I know even being a servant and also someone that just is in government of helps, it's not as much fun either. But we all should be serving Jesus is my point. All right, so the apostles, they're one that's sent forth. Uh, they have vision. They have direction. Uh, they also establish ministries. They, they start up ministries, maybe even in different countries they start up ministries. They see very, very broadly. I mean, my husband's a, uh, an apostle, and he sees the big picture all the time. You know, I have to re- really mend sometimes. He just he's a, sees the whole big picture, and it's already done in his mind. So they, have, they see very broadly. Uh, they have oversight. They have an understanding of what's going on and maybe... Uh, where others don't, and sometimes um, apostles can be very offensive because they're going, no, that's not the direction to go. Um, I'm seeing very broadly, I have oversight as to what's going on, and so they might offend some people sometimes. I know at the Crusades, when we're especially when stands under the anointing as apostle, I'm under the anointing really as a prophet, it can be offensive because we're really operating in that that anointing all the time uh, during those those times in those seasons so they can be offensive but understand is that if they have that anointing operating inside of them at the moment they um they're they're in charge they are the ones that are well you're in charge right <laughs> just in charge of the church or in charge of the crusade they're just in charge of what is going on that's why so many people don't want our churches don't want the apostle to be in a church because um, they don't really, sometimes don't really like what they have to say. But it's very needed. It's very needed in the body of Christ. Um, you know, since we have the Holy Spirit, that when we be, get, especially when we get the charismatic movement and ask the Holy Spirit to 
now anoint us and operate through us uh, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then everyone thinks that they can hear just as clear as somebody else that this is Jesus. The Lord spoke to me. The Lord appeared to me in a dream. And so many times it's um, just a flesh thing. So here I am getting offensive already. But they, we have to know that um, you have something to say? Okay. Okay. Get your microphone on, please. Um, so, again, we have the, the the apostles, the prophets, especially, can be very offensive, but it's needed. Corrections needed, and uh, just like mom and dad corrected you when you're young, the same thing happens with the apostles and prophets. All right. So they have their their organizer. They organize the meetings. Uh, again, they have organized the church. This is the way it should be done. This is the way to go. Uh, they can, when they lay hands on somebody, when we, we pray for somebody to anoint them in the office of a prophet, they uh, or an apostle or pastor or so forth, they can impart spiritual blessings. They can also impart that anointing on someone. Uh, again, they're capable of all five, the, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, the pastors. They're, they're capable of all five. Um, but number one, and if this is you, you need to write it down. This is you. Number one is God's vision. God's vision to you is number one. Yes, sir. Okay, so in case you are wondering if you might be an apostle, here's some things to look for. Uh, in, in my case, God had me start Prophecy Club. Then we started doing the monthly meetings. Then we started doing the crusades. And then we stopped all of that. And then he had me also start the Spirit of Prophecy Church. And then also Joseph Kitchen. And Prophetic Oil. See, all of these are plants. Now, can one person make that plant grow? No, they need other people. So the apostle starts the ministry. So if you're thinking you're an apostle and you've never started a ministry... Probably not an apostle. Probably not an apostle. So that's the thing I want to say about that. Yeah. All right, number two, the prophets. Uh, they're kind of the most misunderstood. And like I said, so many people, they want to be a prophet. Um, because prophets can enter into a room, the ones that are seasoned, by the way, can enter into a room and all eyes turn, not because... They're beautiful or they're handsome or they make noise. It's because some kind of anointing has walked into the room, especially when they're operating, they're a seasoned prophet, and they're operating under that anointing when they walk in. Um, and so sometimes people just say they think that they're arrogant just because they know something's entered into the room. Um, but that's not. It's just many times it's just the anointing. Now, prophets, these are ones who speak forth. They edify others. So if you think a prophet's just here is going to come in and just turn the tables upside down and destroy everybody and to speak negative things in somebody's life, that's not a prophet, or at least under my training, they would be asked to leave. Because the first thing that a prophet should do is edify. Now, a prophet is, just because someone prophesies, and we'll see that in the scripture here in a minute, just because someone prophesies and not they're really good at it does not make them a prophet. All right? They think if I can prophesy really good, I must be a prophet. 
but yet they might be living in a lot of sin. They might be living um, with a woman outside of marriage or vice versa, you know, doing all kinds of things that are not um, under God's plans, not God's uh, rules and regulations. So a prophet is um, all the time wanting to please God. You know, they're all the time, you know, number one to them is the will of God, and if they mess up, they are, or even if they think they've messed up, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult on them. Um, but anyway, the first thing they should be doing, especially when they're in training, especially when they're growing in their ministry, is to learn how to edify, how to encourage other people, and how to speak, you know, the things that God wants in their life and, and so forth. Now, again, I want to make this very, very clear. Just because someone prophesies and can prophesy very accurately, can prophesy like a machine gun, does not, mean, does not make them a prophet. It's an anointing. It's an anointing that walks with them. As a matter of fact, I, don't, I prophesy very rarely anymore. I've kind of like passed that point. Let's put it like in the anointing. I've passed that point because um, why it's so important, and I'm very careful whenever I do so, say something that, um, because, you know, the fear of God is on me, and I want to make sure, make sure what I'm saying is the truth. So when someone is growing and they're being trained, uh, you give them a little bit more leeway. But when they are, when they are truly walking in a seasoned life as a prophet, they need to be careful of every word, because those words will come back, and God said, you spoke presumptuously. So that's why, um, the you know early prophets, training prophets, they have a lot of leeway. God gives them a lot of leeway, but then as they grow and as they season and as they mature, um, God holds them much more accountable, and so does everybody else, and they should. And that's why I say no, don't ever prophesy dates, don't ever prophesy mates. Dates and mates is a no-no. And if there's a prophet out there that, that calls themselves prophet and they're doing that kind of thing, you know it's wrong. And I guarantee you that um, God will change the plans on you. He will, just to prove a point. And then, you know, and these people, just, they're just not held accountable. And so I would just stay away from dates and mates because God always tarries with the dates. The mates might get married, but they might divorce. Or someone else comes along. <laughs> so that usually we see that happen a lot. Um, also, the prophets, when they're in the, under the anointing of God, and even when they get pretty seasoned, they just become um, extremely bold, and they can become very direct. And that's why many times they're offensive to others, not meaning to hurt, but actually to help. And I know that, you know, we're adults here. We're not supposed to get corrected, whatever. But yet, if you want to be more pleasing to God and do what he's asking you to do, you're going to encourage those kinds of things to come to you. Right, Danny? Right? Those I love, I rebuke and chasten. Uh, so they're very direct. And then they have a knowledge of the future. Um, you know, there's intercessors that get knowledge of the future, but that does not mean they have an anointing as a prophet. Matter of fact, a child could have a dream, but it does not mean they're a prophet. Um, that might be accurate. It's a knowledge of the future. So you have to be careful even saying, well, this is me, this is me, this is me. But really, there's, it's, you have to understand. It's an anointing you carry, and it's a powerful anointing, and you have to be careful to say whether it's you or not. Um, 
fought it many years, still fight it actually sometimes, that, that calling, that anointing. Um, and then God go get a hold of me or my husband. <laughs> get up out of that bed. Take that sheet off your face. Get up and do the will of God. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but sometimes it feels like it. Um, also, they receive dreams and they receive visions. Again, you can receive dreams, you can receive visions, you can receive the interpretation, but it does not make you a prophet. Understand that you would know, and other prophets are subject to prophets, they would know if you have the anointing to be a prophet of God. The anointing of God makes you a prophet. Uh, you have the, there's a presence about you. When, you. when I say anointing, just like with an apostle, there's, there's something different about that person. It's not like Leslie. It's not like Stan. It's, it's there, there's a difference. There's some kind of presence on them. Uh, that's why um, prophets are subject to prophets, and it, doesn't, it means that just because you want to call yourself a prophet does not make you a prophet, and you could walk in a room and nobody even know you're there. So there is a difference. There is a difference. And you, also you can operate in it. You feel it. You operate with a special apostle. It's a, and prophets, you really walk with power. Uh, anointing power, and uh, sometimes it's scary to people. Uh, they they can transfer the anointing also. Again, this has to be a seasoned prophet, though. If you're just starting off being a prophet and um, gone through the training that I've do, that I do here, and you're not seasoned, um, you could be what I call a loose cannon, and that's not a good thing to lay hands on somebody and transfer an anointing. They need to be a seasoned apostle or seasoned prophet before that transfer of anointing and laying hands on someone that is going to take place. It's very important, you know, don't, don't get ahead of your time with God here because it will come back to bite you. It will come back to hurt you. Uh, prophets are very spirit sensitive. Uh, you might think, really? They don't seem like they're, you know, sensitive in any way. You know, for sure, not naturally, but they, you know, they're really sensitive in the spirit. Yes, they're sensitive in the spirit, but also they're very, very sensitive naturally. Uh, you can break a prophet's heart very easily. If they think that they stepped out of the will of God, it hurts them immensely. Even though you might not see it, you might not know it, and unless you live with them very closely, you would never even know um, because we don't like to reveal that kind of thing. But you can, uh, they are very spirit sensitive. They are very naturally sensitive. Also, they break spiritual bondages. If somebody comes in and they have like a, some kind of bondage on them, like a, a spirit of fear or something like that, or uh, they're being really attacked at the enemy, they're like, you know, um, they're even into nicotine or anything like this. I mean, they have, they have a strong, powerful anointing to break those spiritual bondages. Of course, it's up to the person to whether they're going to stay free or not, but they can break it off of them. They can. They, they come in. They change the structures of organizations. You know, Stan and I work very well together. He's an apostle. I'm a prophet. He might see um, the vision of things. He's very organized. He wants to... Um, uh, see that this thing happens and not this thing happens, and then, but also at the same time, as a prophet, I can say, mm, you know, you can do what you want because you're the head here, but this will not be a good idea. It will not be a good idea. And you know, the thing is, is that um, many times the, he, there's change in the direction that he goes because it starts making sense. So we, they can change the structure of organizations. They change the direction of people. 
They change what they're walking in as far as sin. You know, so many times this just amazes me, absolutely amazes me, and I, I've seen this from the Crusades especially, is that um, people don't know what sin is. They, they, they have no idea that living with someone before they get married is a sin. They have no idea. It, it's shocking to me. Um, you know, is, is like smoking, for example, is that a sin? I would say so because you're, you're, you know, the temple of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So when you do something that's against the temple of the Holy Spirit, I, I love Dimitri, what he'd say was, like, if God intended for you to smoke, he would have put a chimney on your head, right? So, um, you know, is using drugs, is that a sin? Yes, it's a sin. So uh, you would you'd be amazed at some of the things that people do that have no idea it's sin. Uh, masturbation, for example, is that a sin? It is. It's doing things against the will of God and against his word. Um, is um, oral sex a sin? The big one. It's against the statues of God, his laws. Uh, get my book, Crown of, Crown of Glory. <laughs> advertising here. Crown of Glory or the video Crown of Glory, and you'll find out. It has the, the scriptures in there as to why it's wrong. But people think that they can do whatever they want to do in the marriage bed or even if they're not married. They can do whatever they want to do uh, because... Uh, the, yeah, I'm just about to. So, in other words, they can they think they can do anything because it says, that, you know, the marriage bed, I don't have the scripture up there, but is undefiled. In other words, undefiled means to be kept holy. It doesn't mean that you have free reign there. Anal sex, that's not of God. So here's, I guess I'm walking and operating in that prophet mode right now. <laughs> Probably offending people. But, you know, it's offending you for the all the right good. Um, I, I just wanted you to have an understanding of some of these things people think they have no idea or sin, it really is a sin. Is having sex with a woman during her menstrual cycle sin? Yeah. Get my book. You'll find out. Uh, but they, again, they can change directions of people. They can change them. If people will listen, if they just listen to me, as I hear stands, I feel stand on the top, they just listen to me, um, everything would be good. Uh, also, they carry, they words carry spiritual forces. They're very powerful. They, um, they penetrate someone. Uh, they're God's direction, uh, direct mouthpiece. Uh, they scare those around them sometimes. We had, we were doing a crusade. How many were, turn your mic, turn, turn your microphone on, please. How many, how many prophets were there that day? Five? May I tell this story? Yeah, come on. Yeah, he, he doesn't like how I tell stories sometimes. Even though I'm really good. Come well, on up the, here, please. The story's come, about Leslie. Come so, up here. <laughs> so we were in Omaha, and I don't know, there's a couple of hundred people at a crusade three-day crusade, and we had uh, Gene Bacon and a couple other California prophets. I think we had like four or five prophets over there. It was kind of like they were all in a row. And, and I said, so, I was talking about this. I said, for example, prophets are scary. And I said, uh, see those prophets over there? Which one are, are, is the scariest? Leslie got all of the Every votes. time. I mean, it was 100%. Yeah, we did Every that in several crusades. Every time they, they said, she's I'm, the scariest. I'm like the littlest one. <laughs> you know, the, I'm the only woman. Um, you know, Steve Dons is huge. They're like, you're, you're, not, you're not scared, more scared of him than you are me. 
But again, it's they, they, they also their words carry spiritual forces. I think that's why. And they scare those. So good thing to be a prophet and a mom because you can scare them. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, Speaketh unto men edification and exhortation and comfort. Especially when they start prophesying, when they're being trained, they need to only give words from the Lord that are edifying, exhorting, and comfort only. Only. You know, I do an exercise where you pray and you get a scripture, then you, you just one scripture, and then one word out of that one scripture, um, that verse, and you give a word to someone. And, I've, you know, so many times my daughter, Leslie Ann, who I trained for many years, she uh, would get like something in Jeremiah, for example, like, <laughs> you know, hellfire and brimstone, you know. Um, and that I had to teach her, I said, you have to turn this around to edifying, exhorting, and comforting them. And because, you know, God can't trust you as a prophet with his mouthpiece if you're not going to edify, you're not going to exhort, and you're not going to encourage. He just can't if you're not going to comfort them. He can't trust you, right? He just can't. If you're just, if you're just thinking you want to be one of those prophets that just comes in and puts the hammer down over and over and over again, you know, you'll, God will shut you down. That doesn't even have to be people. God will shut you down. Uh, they generally do not ask or nor enjoy many aspects of the anointing. True. Uh, because I used to think, um, uh, actually, when I was being trained under some of these other prophets, that I would just, you know, let them lay hands on me and I'll just receive some of their anointing. Doesn't doesn't work that way, and it shouldn't work that way. Um, I've asked people to just lay hands on me so that the, your anointing will transfer on me. Doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, even if it did, uh, why do that? I've gone through many scrapes, many bruises, uh, many broken bones in the spirit, many attacks for the anointing I walk in today. And I'm not going to give it to you freely. <laughs> I did a lot of uh, warfare on it. So don't ever ask me to pray for you to have my anointing transferred to you. I'll not do it. You've got to earn those, um, those you know, what do you call them? Battle scars your own on your own. Um, because it's just not right to ask that. Can you turn the fan on? Um, the prophet's words, the true prophets, the seasoned prophets, their words produce lasting results. They endure time, the persecution and affliction. Uh, they transmit or confirm or recognize anointing. Uh, we were in, we were in Pakistan, right, when this happened? Um, so we were in Pakistan. I was teaching on the fivefold. And we, you know, so I was calling up those that had the anointing, of the, that feel like they had anointing or a calling to be an apostle. And then we said, um, did I go down the line? I'm asking Sharon. She was there with me. Okay. So then I asked prophets, right? And nobody, did I, I think I did prophesize. Okay. So, um, but I said, only come up for one. Only come up with, a, you know, you feel like you have a calling for as a, 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 an apostle or a prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor. And, you know, every one of these callings, people were coming up for us to pray for them except prophet. It was the first time it's ever happened in my life because whenever I would go teach on this, more people want to come up for the prophet than anything else. And so they're all just standing there looking at me. Now, you have to understand the women sit on one side, the men sit on the other side. And I was already, I knew by the anointing of God that there, there were women also that were prophets. And, you know, in Pakistan, you have to be careful saying apostle, prophet, because 
um, you can be put in jail over it. I was with Pastor Massey, and he said, Leslie, you don't usually mention the word apostle prophet, but here in this church you can. I said, are you sure? <laughs> I don't want to be arrested on the spot. He goes, no, today you can mention about, you can say the word apostle, and you can say prophets. I was scared when I saw <laughs> You sure, you sure, you sure? Uh, so he said, yes. And I said, okay. So I did, but when I got to the prophet to come up for me, prayed for as a, as a prophet, nobody came. And I was like, really? None of you out there are called to be a prophet. Well, something's wrong with this church then because we should have an apostle and a prophet for sure, at least one of each. And so everybody just stood there just staring at me, just staring at me. I said, do you want me to come out there in the crowd and just pull you up? And to my amazement, they said, yes. I said, okay. And there I went. And there were just as many women I was pulling up as I did men. And they, so they would, they say, came up, and I, I mean, you know, I have them get on their knees before we pray for them and anoint them with oil. And they were crying, and they were like, they were just amazed that, that I could do that. And the women were especially amazed because probably over there, that's probably pretty frowned upon. Uh, even women in ministry. You know, here, I, they accepted me very well. They love me in Pakistan. They accept me even though I'm a woman, you know, teaching and preaching the Word of God. Um, matter of fact, they they declared that Toronto and I were Pakistanians. <laughs> so, um, you yeah, know, I think we're more loved there than we are here. <laughs> what about it? I prayed, I prayed for all of the fivefold. They all came up except for the prophets. I was, I was really shocked. Um, then maybe they understood that there's a lot more, um, I guess, accountability with a prophet, even more so than an apostle. There really is. Um, Their words, I don't know if I said this. Their words produce lasting results, endure time, persecution, affliction. They transfer and confirm an anointing. Okay. They insist on accurate interpretation of scriptures. Um, boy, that is my big one. I mean, really, the, the, and you have to keep your microphone on. They cannot hear you. So, uh, they have to, you have to understand the true prophets of God out there, the true ones, the ones that are seasoned, do not believe in a pre trib rapture. They see the truth, they understand the word, they're seasoned. Now, you go into Pakistan because many of these pastors have. And even Honduras, all these pastors that have come in from mainly America and preach about the pre-trib because they feel like that's going to get them saved. They're going to just, don't worry, you're just going to be whisked out, you know, in the air. And what we need to try to do is teach them, look, you're going to have peace when you receive Jesus. Peace through whatever you go through when you receive Jesus. But they preach, you know, there's going to be, you're just going to be raptured out. Um, and, but the true prophets of God, those that are seasoned, those that are called, are having to go in and to switch this up. We still have to be very careful in Pakistan mentioning too much of this unless we're giving the freedom to do so because it really could tear things up because too many people, uh, pastors, uh, teachers, or whatever, have gone over there that are not seasoned and they're, they're, they're preaching a lie, um, and even here in America. So we with the accurate interpretation of the scriptures, you know, they're going to see that there's not a pre-trib. 
insist on accurate interpretation of scriptures. They insist on revelation from the Holy Spirit as to oppose the carnal reasoning of the scriptures. Now, stands an apostle. He receives the carnal reasoning of scriptures. He understands by the, his, with the mind. I'm more from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Is that true? Absolutely. You got to talk. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything you want to say about that? Just keep it on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Stan. You're welcome. Are you getting some carnal reasoning on this? Hmm? Okay, okay, okay. So I'm, I'm the word guy. And uh, I'm the guy that is always reading the, the scriptures and studying and going back to the Greek and the Hebrew and memorizing. You know, that's, I'm, I'm the word guy. Whereas she's more the spirit person in that I'll be able to quote book, chapter, and verse, or tell you where it is, or at least quote this is what it says. Maybe I can't find it. Whereas Leslie says, no, this is the way it is because she hears like from the spirit of God. And I actually find that that works real well because there's times to where being able to say the exact words like I did earlier with the other scripture, uh, those I love are rebuke and chasten, that's out of Revelation. Whereas Leslie would be able to say, well, if, if God loves you, you're going to get corrected. So. Thank you. Thank you. All right. They also see black and white. There's no gray area with a prophet, especially a Caesar prophet. Uh, when I'm, I'm, all these things, when I say prophet, I'm talking about, or apostle, I'm talking about seasoned. I'm not talking about just starting, uh, just starting your ministry or walk or whatever you're calling with God. Okay. So they see in black and white. There's no gray area. This is right and this is wrong. Period. That's it. Um, they can't stand the gray area. They hate it. So they're often just really dogmatic and unrelenting on that. And it makes people feel uncomfortable because, you know, they feel like Jesus is going to give them some leeway. Well, Jesus might, but I won't. <laughs> In other words, there's this is the truth and this is not. So, again, it's black and white. They will not compromise the written word for convenience. They will not compromise a prophetic word. If a seasoned prophet gives you a prophetic word, and just because you don't like it, you don't mail it back to them. That is the biggest no-no insult that you could ever do. Not only an insult to them, but an insult to God. Because a seasoned prophet is going to pray, I mean fervently, to ask for that prophetic word for you. And it's going to be encouraging for you. And it's going to be something that God has, is wanting to see happen in your life, etc., and then if you just like, well, I don't like what you had to say, and then you mail it back or you rebuke them, don't ever do that to a seasoned prophet. Now, when they're just training, you know, you need to let them know in a nice way. That, I don't think that was from God. That helps them to learn. That helps them, oh, okay. It helps them to learn that, you know, maybe it just need to put it on the shelf. Um, maybe it's not accurate, but also... Um, Maybe they just need to know that was the wrong voice, which is all part of the training. All part, that's all good because you definitely want to hear and get the right word from God, right? Amen? Uh, they're sometimes offensive. The, the truth sometimes offends, especially the religious people out there. Their hearts are direct, intense, burdened, sometimes frustrated, tender, and rejected. 
It's hard to believe that a, a seasoned prophet would be rejected, but they are. They're not influenced much by persecution of men's opinion. At least you won't see that out in the open. I might go to my husband or my bestie over here and say, that has really upset me because it's persecution that came my way. And with that, but they'll pray, build me back up, and here I go again. So um, they're not influenced much by it. They have no shame. They're also radical and often alone. Um, they're very misunderstood. Now, let me say about alone. Uh, it's not good for anybody, really, as a Christian, but especially a prophet, to be isolated, to be in their own little world, I should say, because, you know, they know how to get into the spirit realm, and so many times they stay in that spirit realm too long, and then they start listening to the wrong spirits because you're going to have God's spirits, you're going to have evil spirits. And if they stay in there because they love that atmosphere, they're going to start hearing from the wrong direction. And they're thinking it's from God. It's not. So someone that's isolated, um, you know, just doing their ministry just by themselves in the home and not having any, any accountability anywhere, um, I would be very cautious about listening to them. Uh, they are very misunderstood. They're often rejected by weak pastors who don't understand their anointing. Um, my son, Sean, you know, of course, he was raised in you know, our household and did crusades with us and all kinds of stuff. Still works, or he runs the ministry, really. Um, he's very pastor. And he and I, you know, we were very well together. He understands the anointing. He understands the calling. Um, but there are pastors out there that are afraid to have a prophet come in to their church because of the anointing that's on the, on the prophet. It intimidates them. They're so afraid they're going to hurt um, their sheep. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But the number one to them is God's will. Number one. So the apostle, the number one, was a vision to a prophet. It was the will of God. A Christian can prophesy but may not be a prophet. A prophet or a teacher can, excuse me, a prophet can teach but may not be a teacher. A pastor can win souls but may not be an evangelist. Our third is the, is the teachers. They free listeners from bondage by the word of God. They have the heart to remove misunderstanding of God's word. They're line upon line. They have, their knowledge is understanding. And number one is God's word to them. Number one out of whether, you know, over vision, over will of God, is number one is God's word. That is so important to them. Um, Sam's actually a very good teacher. He operates, we can operate in all the, the fivefold, but... You know, one of his other stronger anointings is a teacher. Pastors, they care for the sheep. This is what's in most churches. They hurt when the sheep are hurting. Uh, they have their heart with the sheep. They draw people together. They're loved. And one thing about, you know, I wish I, I had more of me, more inside of me as pastor. I would say I don't have hardly an ounce. I would like to, and I work on it. But it's uh, not just something natural to me. I mean, I, Leslie's great. <laughs> Leslie's nice and sweet. The prophet that comes out, the Deborah and me, might be a little more intense. <laughs> but a pastor is very loving. They make people feel secure. They give counsel and love. They draw sheep for counseling and direction. They give off security and warmth. But they can't be hired. They have a true anointing as a, as a pastor. Um, so not just everybody that's in these churches out here that are 
pastors, because you're paying them, have that anointing as a pastor. It can be Joe or Susan or somebody else like that that just has that loving, natural heart in them just to, to love and, and help and just know that they're hurting when you're hurting. Um, so they're very important. Again, they don't necessarily head a church. The key is anointing, not training. They supernaturally draw people. Uh, the sheep trust the pastor. And limited to shepherding from 30 to 50 people, usually that's how it's done properly. So these pastors, what they call pastors of these mega churches, they um, <clears throat> aren't doing it appropriately unless they have a lot of other pastors that are helping them in that church. They need to draw from the strength of the apostle, the prophet anointing, and should be in submission to him. Uh, they can help their sheep grow maturity. They're not necessarily degree, but very anointed. In other words, they haven't gone to any kind of ministry school. That's just something that's called on them. Uh, they generally don't organize building programs. But number one to them is God's people. I'll try to get through this quickly. All right, the evangelist. The evangelist is uh, one that speaks forth. And usually you can tell an evangelist anointing is, now sometimes it's just made up. Sometimes they just do because they see other people do it, unfortunately. They just move all over the place. You just, you know, you know the best speakers, you, you see the best speakers on TV. They don't, they don't go all over the place. An evangelist doesn't either have to do that, you know, we're, we're, because it can be very um, uh, distracting. So, but they'll come in, they, they're soul winners, they want church growth, they convict of sins, they're emotional, exciting, they want quick results. In other words, they can even walk into a building or walk into a church and people are ready to repent. Now, the same thing happens when a prophet can enter into the room. They, they just want to repent. But, so they don't get it confused with the anointings that, are, that is on them. Um, they're constantly moving, they're energetic, they're exciting. Um, they usually have... Um, they're kind of funny in their delivery. They, they're very aggressive in winning, their, winning souls, um, and they don't want to leave a place until they have those souls come up there. So number one to them is lost souls. Intercessors, vitally important. God wakes them to pray. Now I'm talking about a strong anointing as an intercessor. Everybody's called to be an intercessor. Uh, one time I asked at a crusade in... How many of you are, are prophets? But they, but this one guy came up, and he's and he said, um, uh, and I said, "Are you an intercessor?" And he goes, "Oh no, I'm a prophet of God." And I said, "Then you're not a prophet. God will always start with you being having that anointing as an intercessor before you make it to a prophet. Always. Uh, he wakes them to pray. You will know what, how, when. You'll know the future. The fertilize the ground. They pray without ceasing. They hear God's voice, and they're often unappreciated. And we can't do without them. So sometimes people that receive a vision or dream and interpretation and they send it to Stan doesn't mean they're a prophet. It just means they interceded and they had, an, they had something from God. And number one to them is a prayer. I'm almost done. Uh, so the concern for anointings, again, is apostle's vision. Prophet is a will. Third is the teacher's word. Pastor is the people. And evangelist is the loss. Now, understand, some churches elevate the fivefold so much that no one's good enough to serve in it. And we're all supposed to be servants. Make sure if you're called, you're really chosen and accepted. I just wanted to say something, and that's kind of an overview. The uh, fivefold is kind of like looking at your hand. In other words, 
the thumb is like the apostle. The apostle can reach out and do any of the other ones. He can be a, prophet, a pastor, teacher, evangelist, intercessor. He can do all of the other four. Whereas the prophet tends to be just one, and they are the finger. They're the ones that points, this is the direction, clean it up, stop sinning, repent, they're the finger. This is the teacher. The teacher says, you've got to know the word of God. This is the pastor, the ring finger. The ring finger, they put the ring on this finger because this one is the one that goes closest to the heart. This is the pastor. This is the evangelist. This little finger, by the way, is the strongest of all five fingers. You can pick up and lift more with your little finger than any of the other five fingers. So the evangelist is the little finger. He goes out and pulls the sheep in. Now, there's exact opposites. The prophet exactly is exactly opposite of the teacher. The prophet says, weeds. I see weeds. Everybody's got to straighten up. Got to get rid of these weeds. It's a sin. Okay? Whereas the, the teacher, or excuse me, the, the pastor comes along down here. He's the exact opposite of the pastor. Oh no, you're hurting their feelings. The pastor would lay across the threshold and give his life for the sheep. The prophet says, if you don't like it, hit the door. Don't let it hit your backside when you go. Exact opposites, but they balance each other. Now, the teacher and the evangelist are exact opposites. I remember one guy who stood at the Texas State Fair, and everybody that came in, he would say, Do you accept Jesus? Put it there. And the little kids would say, Yeah. And he was getting them saved left and right. Now, the teacher would say, Ah, they've got to know the Word of God. That's not enough. But see, the evangelist says, just say the name. Call in the name. The evangelist says, just ask Jesus to forgive your sin. That's all his job is, is to get him in the door. Then the teacher's job is, now we've got to know the word. You've got to learn the word. So look at the differences here. So we've got the evangelist that says, just ask Jesus into your heart. We got the teacher that says, no, 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 you got to learn the word of God. We got the prophet that says, straighten up or fly right. And we got the pastor that says, oh, no, don't hurt their feelings. But they balance each other. In other words, there's a time where the prophet has to be allowed to say, weeds. I see weeds. I see sin. You got to get this sin out. And the, the apostle has got to be over them all because the apostle's got to say, now, pastor, Sit. Sit down. Be quiet. Let the prophet do their work. Let them clean the house. And then, okay, prophet, you've had your chance. Now you be seated. Let the pastor come up and lick their wound. Yeah. <laughs> Are you seeing it? You seeing it, okay? Whereas the evangelist says, I don't care if they know the word. I just want them to come in the door. Get them to come in the door. Come on, get them to come in the door. Which, by the way, the American church could use a whole lot more of that. Whereas the, the teacher says, okay, we got to study. We got to have a Bible study. See? We, yeah, it's not enough to just come to church. You got to know the word. 
Whereas the apostle can come along and say, all right, pastor, let the prophet talk. Okay, prophet, sit down, let the pastor lick their wounds. Okay, yes, it's true. Let the evangelist get them in the door, teacher. Then when they're in the door, then you can teach them. Evangelist. Yeah, don't listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I mean. You know what I mean. Let them in the door, evangelist. And then the teacher will train them. So the apostle is able to do an oversight over all of the other four offices and is capable of doing any of those four offices. In my case, I think you agree you've seen me do all of the other four offices. So there you go. All right, thank you. All right, so I'll I'll end it with this. We're going over on time. Um, So you have to get a confirmation if you think you have an anointing of one of these fivefold ministries, um, but you... Again, you've got to become seasoned before you can do some of these things. Uh, but anyway, don't try to prove yourself. Don't walk in and say, I'm a prophet and, or a pastor or whatever, um, because your anointing will make it sure. They'll, they'll understand it. They'll see it. Uh, don't try to prove yourself. Don't get, hand them out a business card. Don't get spiritual pride. Uh, don't push your anointing. And uh, don't try to get recognition. And function in the role and be trained and operate in it and then be humble. Amen. So don't try to get that, that title or recognition. Just do the right work. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for an understanding of your word and your fivefold ministries. And we just thank you also, Lord, for the servants and the ones that are also helpers in the church. We need everyone in the body of Christ. And we just give you praise and honor and glory. And we say thank you. Yes and amen. God bless. Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. We're so happy that you joined us today and here in Texas. Uh, If you'd like to just come and visit us, we're just here in Plano, Texas, uh, 2540 Avenue K in Plano. Uh, Suite 100 is right behind the Whataburger. Then after you get done with church, you can just go to Whataburger. It's right there. That's what Stan likes to do. Well, he did on Bible study night when he used to come up here, so... Anyway, so we're happy that you're joining us today, and also those of you that are here in the church, we appreciate everything that you do, and also those of that are watching online and all the support you give us. Uh, we want you to be a part of our ministry, uh, so we ask that at, you know you can click on where it says, um, uh, what does it say, ministry, what does it say? Ministry member. Ministry member. Uh, and just... Uh, <laughs> Get that filled out and send that, send that in. So there's a couple announcements right quick. And Kate, I'll let you go ahead and start about intercessory prayer and tell them what happened Thursday. Good morning, church. Praise, praise God. Amen. So this past week was the first uh, third Thursday of the month that we were supposed to pray together. And uh, you know the devil doesn't want us to meet and pray. And he will do everything he, he can in his power to make sure we don't meet. And it's important for us as a church to know that we are in warfare. Bible says we are to stay alert and vigilant. And it's a spiritual alert, alertness. So this Thursday afternoon, all of a sudden, I was actually preparing a message. And I started having an attack of a pain on my right hip. And it just come, came out of nowhere. And right away, I knew what the, the, the devil was trying to do, you know, get me, you know, in a losing position and I just called my husband and we went and we prayed and I found some relief but I knew that was an attack you know so we have to remember we are in warfare you know the devil doesn't want us to meet and that being said the turnover was very low so I do want to encourage all of you 
to remember that this is our calling. This, this is where we get our strength. Amen. When we are on our knees, that's the highest place that we can be. That's where we have the, the strength that we need. What is it that you're going through? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it pain? You can have your healing on our knees. That's where we get the, the strength. So be encouraged, and we're going to meet again next month, the third Thursday of the month, okay? We do have a sign-up sheet. It's right it. here. It's going to be going around. So just put your name on there. Your phone number will be appreciated and your email. Praise God. Amen. Okay. And join in this next time. We need more warriors on the, on the line. It'll be good. So thank you, Kate. I appreciate it. What now? No. Oh. All right. So another one of these announcements is I'm going to hand this around. Uh, this is to sign up if you're going to be coming to uh, Stan's birthday party on the 26th. His 70th birthday. I asked him, I said, do you want a birthday party this year? It's your 70th. And he's, he shocked me because he goes, yes. I was like, he never wants a birthday party. So I was so happy about that. Uh, we're going to have a great time. Um, uh, Sean's going to run the music. We'll help even do karaoke. And, and it's going to be fun. And uh, just want you to come dress in your 70s theme style clothes. So if you'd like... <laughs> <laughs> Those bell-bottom pants don't fit you anymore. <laughs> anyway, so we'll, start, we'll hand this around. And also, I guess it's going around right now. And then also, who is coming for... Are you tired, baby? You want to go down there by Poppy? <laughs> um, also, on this Friday night at 8 p.m. is all-night prayer. All-night prayer with Enie. Uh, we have three people, three brave people signed up uh, that are going to really intercede for the church and for our nation. Um, and she's got some other things that we're going to, that you're all going to be praying for. So that'll be from eight o'clock to you know, maybe around seven or a little before. So just, um, we'll hand this around if you'd like to come join that. Now, um, also on that Saturday night, next Saturday, who's coming for movie night? Okay, good. We'll have a good turnout. So I put on, this is the first time I've done this. I want you to put your name down if you're coming to the movie night and what kind of pizzas y'all like because I don't never know what to order and I might not get your exact pizza, but maybe close to it. Like Sharonda likes pineapple. She has to bring her own pineapple. <laughs> Anybody else like pineapple? Oh. I'm telling you, it's a winner. What? You don't put pineapple on pizza. What? Is it really? I'm going to have to have you try a slice. I'll eat it. All right, fine. I'll order with pineapple. Anyway, this is going around, so sign up if you're going to come to the movie and what kind of pizza you like, and I'll do my best, okay? Uh, this is for the fellowship sign-up. Um, like Pastor Stan, he brought... Um, uh, bread this morning, and I had ordered a few donuts in, and I noticed that people are really enjoying that 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 bread. So thank you. All right, the bread is gone. I know that uh, past uh, or uh, Paris ate some last night. And she had some again this morning. So even the kids like it. All right, thank you all very much. You can go down with Sharonda now, okay? Thank you, baby. All right, let's stand. Let's pray. We'll get our service going this morning. Everybody doing good? The Lord is good? All the time? All the time? 
God is good all the time. <laughs> he is. He's good all the time. And, uh, you know, one thing about when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can have peace even in the struggles and the turmoil. And, um, you know, he, he's right there with us, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. So he's right there. All right, let's just raise our hand and bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, this beautiful day. This beautiful day here in Texas, we thank you for it. Lord, we ask that those that are still on vacation or going on vacations, that you'll give them traveling mercies and bring them home safely. We also ask, Lord, that if there's any sick that are amongst us or even those that are watching online, that you just send your ministering spirits to them. Lord, we ask that you heal them. Just comfort them, Holy Spirit. Comfort them right now. Comfort them. And we ask that you heal them completely in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we ask that you anoint the service, that it may be pleasing to you. Anoint the praise of worship, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and also all the sound equipment, and that everything would be done decently in order. Uh, Lord, just uh, just came to mind about Michelle. She couldn't be here today. She runs our, our children's church. She does a lot around the church. She was even supposed to bring the Sunday school message, but the enemy came in and attacked. And she wasn't feeling well. So, Lord, we just ask that you lift her up today. You heal her completely. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. Morning, morning, everybody. How are we doing? Awesome. All right. Well, it's time for tithes and offerings. So here we uh, we do the prophetic act of bringing the tithes to the storehouse. So if you would come forward, we have two different baskets. So please be mindful. We have the standard offering and then we also have missions. So if you'll come forward with your tithes and offerings this morning, that would be great. I just want to mention one thing to you. I really feel like there's been some that have been praying for an increase, whether it be spiritual or a physical. There's been, <laughs> there's been some people praying for an increase. And so I just want to share with you that one way to activate, to water that seed, is to plant the seed in the church. And so just be mindful as we're seeking the Lord, as we're seeking that growth, uh, this is the, the offering is really the place to start. We start here and then everything can can go from there. All right. Amen. All right, let's bless this offering. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we thank you. We thank you for your stability, your stability that we can rest on you. We are assured that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We are your children, and you proudly call us so. So, Father, we rest in you with our tithes and offerings where your word says, uh, be, here, be here now with that we can give and you will give back. And so, Father, through, through that promise, 
we give. We give with a glad heart, and we love you so much, and we receive what you have for us through our each and individual call. And so we water that call with our giving today, and we thank you so much for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, praise God, church. Praise the Lord. We are alive today, right? Hallelujah. We are God's people, right? All right. There's some life in us. Praise God. All right. So since there is life in us, uh, we have a privilege here this morning. Um, <clears throat> we're a church, and as a church, as the body of Christ, we, we tend to move together as one. Amen? It, it's important to move in unity to have equal and the same mindset. So uh, with that being said, as a body, whenever there's ever any harm done to the body, it's important for the body to repair that, correct? So um, in this light, we just want to make sure that, that we're all under the same uh, understanding and love. So we have an opportunity to give to our brothers and sisters today. So uh, this morning, uh, we have our own Michelle, our own David Harrison. He's over there always helping out as we heard earlier that Michelle does so much for the church. So it's, um, they're, they're in a place where they're in need. So it's important for us to also stand with them and to support them. Amen? And so af- out of the abundance of their heart, they're able to serve with us. And so it's a privilege and an honor to also stand with them and support. Amen? So we have this... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, okay, we have this... Uh, Let me say something. Yes, we have this blue <clears throat> basket here for, for an offering. Okay, so I, uh, I've been praying about this for a couple of days, and in my, no, 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 yeah, okay, that'll work. Oh, <laughs> by all means. A prayer closet last night was impressed upon me that this is a very good example where we can talk about the joy of giving. And I know there's other joy books out there, but the real joy is in giving. So this is my opportunity to talk to you about giving. So why would we want to give to David and Michelle? Oh, they work at the church. Well, sure, that's a good reason. Oh, well, can I say something about how her... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I say something? But that's about why they need Yeah, well, okay, still make a good point. A person can say, well, we need to give to them because... She just had her teeth, uh, one of her tooth, one of her teeth, I guess that's her teeth or tooth. One of them broke this past week, and I heard something about like $1,000 to fix it. I don't even know if that's enough. I don't even know if that's right. And David is looking for a job. We can use all of those excuses, but that I don't think is the way God looks at it. If we want to move into a new level, to move into the joy of giving, to move into the place where God blesses us, we don't give to a need. What? No. We give because God spoke to us. We give because we're putting that situation, that person, ahead of our needs. Now, in our world today, we think, well, that's crazy. But I can tell you that our finances turned around. I would love to tell you what I did. I would love to tell you because your jaws would all drop open. And I think God's jaw dropped open. 
And when I gave, all of a sudden, everything, it's like the windows of heaven really started opening up. And a lot of my problems, my financial problems started going away. So I'm going to recommend, see, I, I can't suggest that you give for the Spirit of Prophecy Church. This is not for the church. Don't give it because they're members. Don't give it because she broke a tooth. Don't give it because, hey, he helps with the audio. Give it because I'm going to put these people ahead of me. Now, does that mean I don't make my car payment this month? Does that mean I'm late on my house payment? No. If you don't have it, you can't give it. The only time you would do something like that is if you had great faith. And of course, you know, we don't have that kind of faith here, right? Or do we? Have you ever given where you click the mouse and you knew even if you wanted to pull it back, you couldn't? And you weren't certain exactly where it was going, but you were certain God told you to send it. And as you clicked the mouse, sending the money, you said, Lord, I did that because I believe in you. I know you. I know you spoke to my heart, not once, not twice, but three times, absolutely confirmed. I, I tried to turn my mind away from it, kept coming back to my heart. Have you been spoken to in the shower to give? See, because if you say to the Lord, by the way, would you like to get God to answer a prayer? I'll, I'll give you, the one that he will always answer is, Lord, what would you like for me to change? You will always get an answer on that one. Here's another one. Lord, show me someone that's hurting, someone in need, someone that really needs the help, someone that can help, someone I can put in front of myself, in front of my needs. And then the big challenge is, because it's coming, it's coming right here, and it's like, Was that, I, yep. And it's like, Stan, you know that was me. But, 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 and then the buts come. But I don't have the money, but, but, but. Does anybody live in the same world I do? And then the big but comes. But I believe in you. Now, I went back and I said, Dave, what do you need? I'm not going to tell you. And I normally never ask. And I don't pay attention to what he says. I pay attention to what he says. I give what he says. And then I watch. Now, here's the thing I've noticed. If you give back 20, excuse me, if you give 20, do you think, do you get 20 back? What do you think? I'm sorry, what? You get more. Oh, really? God would do that? Oh! True or not? Now, does, does it always come back the very next day? I remember one time I was thinking, but, 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 
how do you want me to give it back to you, Stan? Do you want me to give it back to you after I think about it for a while? Do you want me to give it back to you when I'm around to it? Or do you want to give it back, you want me to give it back to you as soon as possible? Write that check to me. There. Give the way you want it given to you. Last minute? No. First thing. First thing. So I, this has been on my heart. I wish I could talk to you more about the joy of giving. There's a joy to giving. When you give and you feel that peace come to your heart and you know that you know that you absolutely positively know that you heard God to give, that's a good thing. How many of you heard that? I'm really shocked. Here's the way it should have looked. All around the room. You think I'm kidding? I'm telling you, I don't fear finances anymore. I fear him. I do what he says. I know he's, he's the only one I can count on. I can count on him. I can count on him every time. And the day comes I can't count on him. I guess my heart has stopped beating. I can count on him. So here's what. Stan, do you want a big offering? No. No, I'm not going to tell you what they need. That's not the point. The point is try to hear it here. Lord, what should I give? And maybe it's a small amount. Maybe it's not. The point is, what has he spoken here? Yeah, but God doesn't talk to me that way. Yes, he does. Sometimes we don't want to hear it. Make the check. Fable the Spirit of Prophecy Church. We take gold coins, silver coins. No, whatever. Whatever God is laying in anyway, uh, to bless. Not because they help at the church. Not because we know them. Not because they're in need. Because we heard here. Because we heard here. Because we heard here. Now. Uh, <clears throat> Have you noticed how the ground gets lower? Every year it gets a little lower. Lord, we heard you. We heard you. And that's the most important thing. And you know what we have need of before we even ask. But Lord, I ask that you continue to show us places and people that we can give to. Show us the joy of giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You going to take it? I'll take it. Good morning, everyone. Guess what time it is now? Praise and, Praise and worship. worship. All right, let's all stand. Let's say a prayer here, and we'll kick off the praise and worship. So, Father, 
We do boldly come before your throne room of grace and mercy, full of praise and adoration for who you are. We cast our crowns at your feet today. May all this praise and worship be a sweet, sweet fragrance upon you at your throne. May, may every note that you hear be as unto you. May we sing from the depths of our heart today just for you. For you are mighty. Wow. You are powerful. You are the great and marvelous. For you are just and true. And we love you so much. And we, we give this time specifically unto you. For you are so great. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, everybody. Let's lay it before him today. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise your holy name. We worship the God who is... We worship the God who forevermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. Hallelujah, Lord. We bow before your throne today. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross, then he rose up from the grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. Hallelujah, Lord, we were the beggars. Now we're royalty, we were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing His praise. We're the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing His praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. 
We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah.
We thank you for that relationship that we can have with you each and every moment of every day. We cast our crowns at your feet, full of praise and worship. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for that stability. We love you, Lord Jesus, for you are, you are the best. There is nothing better than you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you. Thank you for being the doorway. Thank you for being our doorway. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Show them to God. For we fall down, we lay our crown. If there's any others that like to come up and pray, please do so. If you need prayer, just raise your hand. We'll come up. The greatness of your mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. We cry, holy, holy, holy.
Now the heartbeat of heaven let us hear. I feel the rage of your love. I feel the winds of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven let us hear. I feel the rage of your love. I feel the winds of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven let us hear. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. I feel the rain. Of your love, I feel the wind of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear. I feel the rain of your love. I feel the wind of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear. I feel the rain of your love. Feel the wind of your spirit, now the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear. I feel the rain of your love, I feel the wind of your spirit, now the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear. Let it rain, oh let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, oh let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven, hallelujah. May we receive your rain today, Father. May those floodgates open. Our cup runneth over, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We are already delivered. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. To the land. We want to see you. Show us your glory. We want to know. We want to see you, show us your glory, we want to know you, Lord. Let it rain, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven, let it 
Giver and the apple 
church, I just want you to know something. That God is able to do everything that we're of, of need of, that we're asking for. That he, he wants to make sure that that roof is overhead. He wants to make sure that there's, there's food to eat. He wants to make sure that we're healed. He loves you. And just as these words were saying, Lord, these people here, Lord, I, I know their hearts, they're longing to worship you. They're longing to worship you, but sometimes the mind gets cluttered. The heart gets cluttered with things going on. But just set that aside, church. Set it aside. Set it aside right now and know that your God is able. Amen. It may not be in your timing. It may not be right at that right moment. But know that he is able. Know that he is. He always is. Lord, we just ask for your peace to come upon your people right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are the reason for that peace. You are the reason that we can cry out to you, we can worship you. Just church, know this, as you long to worship him, as you long to worship him above your circumstance, he will honor that. He will hear, you will you also hear from him. You'll have a clarity of thought because you're worshiping him. You're giving him glory for everything that he does, everything that he is, everything that he is being is, and also everything he's done for you. Start worshiping him and understand and know and have confidence that he's able to take care of whatever that need is. And he's able to take care and speak to you clearly on what it is that he would like for you to do. Lord, just ask for that revelation to come forth today for these people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, praise and worship team. Thank you. Well, it's time for Children's Church. Look at them running, man. We know where it's popular at. Let me pray for Poppy first, okay? Then I'll take you. Okay? Can you wait just a minute? I have a little Paris this week because the rest of the family is on vacation, and we are so happy. We're having lots of fun, aren't we, Paris? Are you having fun with Lammy? Paris? Are you having fun with Lammy? <laughs> that said it all. <laughs> Lord, you love Lammy. Am I your glammy? Am I your glammy? Yes, I'm her glammy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you uh, bless this time, bless this service. Lord, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And Lord, I, I believe that you really spoke to Stan as the message he would have to bring today. Absolutely. I would ask that you just bless him with your anointing and that he would hear clearly from you as he delivers the word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, she confirmed the message today. Five times she said it. One time you said it. What did you start with when you first walked up here moments ago? God is able. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think that's important for us all to know that this is the word that God wants to bring forth. And he's confirming that even more and more. Thank you. I even got a kiss on that. Hallelujah. 
God is able. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And as the song we sang said, we look forward to the time we can fall on our face and cast our crowns at your feet, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, Lord, we come here for a lot of reasons, but primarily the most important is to walk in your anointing, to feel your anointing, feel your presence. We come here to get closer to you, Lord. I ask you to bring your anointing into the room to touch every person in the room and those online, even if they're watching this as a recording. Touch them, Lord. We all desire to get closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, can you imagine how I felt when God had her come up and say, and then as she said it five times, then Brandon said it once, God is able. God is able. Say it. God is able. God is able. He is able. Now, what's the missing factor in there? Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? So what was the message last week? The message last week was, come out of the world. Stay out of the world. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, see how you did. And this is not some kind of a guilt trip, because probably most of these I would have to raise my hand to. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Yeah, maybe I am too. So how many of you watched television sometime, at least for a minute or so, this week? Okay. That's the world. That spirit is trying to come into us. How many of you watched a commercial? How many of you heard, not on TV, but any place, a word of profanity this week? How many of you heard an F-bomb this week? How many of you saw skin that you should not have seen? And we're trying to walk a holy Christian life? That's the world we live in. That's the world of the devil out there. But what he's saying is God is able. question is, are we able? Are we able to come out of the world? Be separate, not part of the world. Yes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen. Amen. Is it true or not? Yes. We shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't walk. We shouldn't talk. We shouldn't act. We shouldn't dress. We should. But here's the problem. We're in the world. And these days, how many of you got a text this week that was not exactly appropriate? <laughs> you mean the devil's not in any text? Okay. I'll still get you. How many of you saw something on your cell phone that should not have been there? Ha! You mean the devil's in a cell phone sometimes? Would you aim that black one on me? I turned it to the side, but it's a little warm up here. 
It is a little warm up here. What is it like? 100 degrees outside? Yeah, there you go. Excellent. God is able. The question is, are we able? Are we able to come out of the world, not look like the world, not walk like, not talk like the world? Are we able to come out and be separate? Are we able to live a sinless, holy life? Oh, Stan, you can't do that. Somebody was supposed to correct me. I heard a, a little, oh, yes, you can. <laughs> oh, yes, you can. The devil's always after us. We have to know that. We have to understand that. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to cast down those imaginations. So I walked into Leslie's bathroom this morning, and there's a magazine of Arnold Schwarzenegger there. Now, that's fairly harmless. Till we read about him saying that he is confessing to all of the time when he had an affair with his housekeeper. And she now ha she confesses that, yes, the boy is called Joseph and he's 25 years old. And he lost his wife over it. Yeah, I picked it up and looked at it. Oh, but then I flipped over. You know, they wouldn't have some babe on there, would they? I'm only saying God is able. The question is whether we are able to come out of the world. Whether we are able to live in the world. I cannot tell you how many times I had to turn my face, turn my eyes away from something this week. But that's what we do. That was a good place for an amen. amen. I don't need it, but the point needs it. If he's willing to say God is able, confirm it five times through Prophet Leslie and once through Brandon, that's the topic for today, then we should be saying, okay, all right, what's the message for me today? The very first scripture that I found was saying God is able. This is uh, Jesus speaking, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. No, excuse me, this is, yeah, this is. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham our father, are saying to you that God is able. God is able to raise up from these stones children unto Abraham. So he's saying, look, I don't need you Jews. He's also saying, I don't need the Gentiles either. I'm able. I can do it. Is any good thing, is anything too hard for the Lord? Skip on down. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. He is able. Henry Groover had this vision, 1990. Now who's Henry Groover? Henry Groover was the very first speaker we had at the Prophecy Club in January of 1994. But we had him before then in August of 1993. Prophecy Club started in June of 93. We had him in August. And uh, I just made a few phone calls, called around. All of a sudden, we had like 100 people show up at a library in Topeka, Kansas to hear Henry Groover. He talked on Ezekiel 38 and 39. I remember it specifically. One of the greatest men of God of the 160, I think. 160 guest speakers we had over 25 years. He was my favorite. I think Leslie would agree he was her favorite. He got a map at the direction of the Lord 
and will walk up and down every street in the city, praying loud, praying the Spirit, pulling down strongholds, loosing the angels to do warfare. When he was done, he would go up to the highest point over the city. And in this particular one, it was the Carnarvon Castle. No, excuse me, that's, we'll get to that in a minute. The Carnarvon Castle. So he would go up to a high point, raise his hands, and he would reclaim the city for God. Many times he saw revival come to that city shortly after. Should we do any less? Which reminds me, I probably need to get out and walk the block around my house again. So, January 1990, he had this dream, I guess it was, maybe a vision. I saw missiles coming out of the waters of the Pacific Ocean. Airplanes coming in, in towards certain cities along the Northwest. When, I, when it looked like they would do their devastation, I heard a voice speak from heaven like thunder, and it said, Watch what I will do! The mountains along the coast range began to shake and tremble, and puffs of smoke shot out of them in all directions. In the paths of the missiles and the planes and the missiles just hit the ground and did not explode. The smoke had destroyed the missiles' ability to navigate to, to fly through the air, and they didn't hit their targets. It was also like shields or domes came over certain cities. Even the contaminated air couldn't go into those areas. It went around them. Our God is able. Say it. Our God is able. So we're not worried about whether he's able. We're worried about whether we are able. Are we able to come out of the world? I saw many vehicles coming in on our waters, like ships opened in the front. And all these personnel carrying things came out armored. Right up on our beaches, and all these thousands of people began to head out. By the way, I did not tell you what I was talking on, did I? I saw the proud look on the faces of those that were driving the vehicles. I heard, again, the thunderous voice from heaven saying, Watch what I will do! Suddenly, mountains puffed out smoke. Rivers of golden lava began flowing down a path right across the beaches in front of the invaders. Terror came to their faces, and they turned back and headed to the sea, fleeing for their lives as the waters behind them turned to steam. And the Lord said, I have people in this land. Raise your hand. That's what he's talking to, right? I have people in this land that I will not let them touch, for they are mine. They are my chosen. And I will keep my chosen safe. For I have a work for them to do yet in this land and in many lands. You remember two weeks ago, the message was, are you serving? Do you think God's speaking to us through this message? Amen. I think he is. Now let's go to Lance Woods. I found myself walking through a world that was nothing except ash and charred debris for as far as the eye could see. In the center of the devastation was an incredibly large off-white square concrete building. It must have covered several blocks and it appeared to be hundreds of feet high and just as deep underground. A large lady, probably 250 pounds, was the leader of the building, stood at the door welcoming all Christians, seeking help after a nuclear strike flattened everything. <coughs> I don't know why this building survived. I do. I don't know why this building survived. All I know is this place had all the food, water, and medical care anyone could need. 
Only Christians were permitted to enter, and it was known throughout the land as sanctuary. Say, God is able. One more time, God is able. Dimitri Dudeman, 2 o'clock. I heard a loud voice saying to me, Dimitri, wake up. I'm going to show you something. I jumped to my feet. I realized then I wasn't in Romania anymore. I was seeing myself as if I was in America. The voice boomed at me. Look to your right. I was awake, standing and turned my head and saw a great flock of black birds with very large, sharp beaks. Out of the beaks came a blinding light I could barely look at. From the tails I saw flames of fire shooting out. This flock of birds then turned to airplanes that did not make any noise. How do you get airplanes to fly through the air without making any noise? I started to put up another dream a guy just sent me. He said, I saw shiny airplanes flying through the air, but they looked like World War II, like old airplanes, the old slow ones, but they had no propellers. No propellers on them. And they weren't jets, and they made no noise. Okay, so, do you think that since World War II that there has been a lot of advancements in war technology? Yes. Yep. So they didn't make any noise. American airplanes would go up trying to attack, but they would draw close, and as they would draw close, they would fall to the earth in a blaze of fire. Americans no longer had air superiority. The voice said, look higher than the black planes. When I looked above the planes, I saw a helicopter which hovered above them. On the side of the helicopter, there was a plank like on a ship where soldiers were lined up dressed in black, all armed the same and of about the same size. From the center of the helicopter, a platform began to rise higher than the helicopter itself. On the platform was a throne. The Pope was on the throne yelling with a loud voice. I have been given the power to rule the earth and to fight against the Protestants that I may overtake them. All right, now all this is bad news up to this point. As I watched him with terror and fear because he was surrounded by a powerful force which was performed by plane, or formed by planes and personnel, suddenly a white cloud appeared and covered them. So I could no longer see anything and out of the midst of the white cloud came a man dressed in shiny clothes, wearing a shiny head on, crown on his head. He spoke to me as the voice sounded like thunder. When I heard his voice, I fell to the ground. He said, remember everything you've heard, everything you've seen, and everything you will hear. Tell my people. The armies and planes you saw and the beast that sat on the helicopter, these are the Catholic powers, which will overtake the holy that the words prophesied in Revelation may come to pass. Most of my people will be overtaken and trampled because... What's God been saying to us? Come out of the world, be ye separate. Because the lives are not clean before the Lord. Tell this message to them, do not be quiet, for if you are quiet, I will punish you. The churches are fraudulent or counterfeit and fake. They live their lives as their hearts desire, and boy, can I assure you that's true. I've had people come to the church, and the chair doesn't even get warm, and they leave. I've reached to a little bit of a cynical part where it was almost like I don't want to go up and greet somebody that's a, just coming in for the first time until they've been here two or three times. I'm so tired of going up and greeting someone and never seeing them again. That's not the right attitude. I agree. I've got to keep doing it. 
But I'm saying the attitude of the average American out there stinks. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to church, the things of God, their attitude stinks. Their lives, their heart's desire, their hands stained with blood, adultery, sodomy, worshiping strange and foreign gods because they've forsaken the true God. He's allowed them to go the hearts of the way of the heart's desire. Now tell them, cry out loud. Tell them to stop trading the pastors their desire to repent with all their hearts that in the day of the beast's anger I may be able to save them. Look at this, look at this. Will you deny Jesus? Oh, not me. Well, it may be more difficult than we think. I cannot tell you how many times I've set my heart. So I'd say, I've set my jaw to say, I will never take that mark. I will never deny Jesus. Right? The time is very short and the army of their salvation is prepared. And that's the point, the reason I put that in there. The army of their salvation is prepared. God is able. In all of this trouble coming, yes, the trouble's coming. But he wants me to tell you that he is able. He is able. The question is whether we can be clean enough, whether we can be able. That's the question. Again, he spoke. Look to your right. I saw a vast army my eyes could not encompass. This is the army I prepared to save my people from the beast's grasp. Do not forget to tell them the words that I have told you. I will give you the spirit of remembrance. Now let's go to Michael Boldale. I dreamt I was walking down a street, but to the left and to the right of me was everything destroyed. If not for the foundation sticking out of the earth, one would not have known anything had once stood there. The entire street seemed to have been raised from trees to homes to fences. Everything had been flattened and annihilated. The street curved to the left, and as I followed it, turning the corner, I was surprised to see a house, one house, standing a couple of hundred yards ahead of me on the right. There was nothing special about the house, just a simple single-story home with a porch and a porch swing, once painted white, by what I could gather, but have, having taken on a charred look. I quickened my pace as I approached the house. I heard what I could only describe as prayer coming from inside the house. There was no typical prayer. This was passionate, fervent. And the only time I remember having heard prayer like this was when we had prayer nights in our home in Romania during the communist occupation. You want to get some serious prayer? Get some people that are going through some hard times. Right? Amen. This was anything but restrained prayer gathering. The voices coming from inside the house were praising God and give glory to Him. I stood just short of the front step and listened to the prayers coming from within the house until, in my dream, I woke up. As I woke within the dream, the man I have grown accustomed to seeing was standing at the foot of the mattress. Who knows who that is? That would be the angel that comes to him. Do you understand what you've just seen, he asked without prelude. Uh, I believe I do, I answered the man somewhat confidently. The man gave me a look one might give to a slow-witted individual and said, perhaps in part. Then reached out and touched my shoulder. Instantly, I was back on the same street. 
and have realized this is only because of the house with the porch swing, now a pristine white. It was the only thing that was the same as in my previous dream because now there were trees and homes up and down the block. It looked and sounded like a typical neighborhood. But above the din of chirping birds and barking dogs, I could hear prayer coming from inside the home with the porch swing. It was the same kind of fervent, passionate prayer I heard on the previous occasion. What's the point? Why did God protect them? Because they know it's on TV at 7.30 Tuesday evening. Oh. It wasn't because they were reading their Bible. It wasn't because they were going to church. Because they had a prayer closet. Because they were praying. Say it again. God is able. I strained to hear what they were praying for, but I could only hear snippets from time to time. I was back in my bed with a man standing patiently by my mattress. Now do you understand, he said, tell them not to fear. Say it again, I will not fear. God is able. I will not fear. God is able. Tell them not to fear, but to draw close to the Father in whom shelter from the storm and protection from destruction. I then woke up disoriented, wondering for a while if this was yet another dream within a dream, realizing that it was not. I knelt beside my mattress and started to pray. Now let's go to Dimitri Dudeman again. One night while in Oregon, I dreamed the sky was getting dark. Suddenly it turned pitch black. It was as if the whole world had gone dark at that moment. Now there are some people that have seen there's three days of darkness coming. I got an email Last week, I think it was. What do you think the three days of darkness is? I said, well, I'll give it to you this way. Are you talking about the three days of darkness like it was in the days of Moses when they couldn't get out of bed when it was a darkness they could feel? Or are you talking about the darkness that Byron Searle said that he saw when a man in a laboratory dropped a test tube and it released some kind of blackness that went all around the world? Were you talking about the darkness when the electricity goes off? What kind of darkness are you talking about? I don't exactly know. There's also darkness when the sun goes out. I don't know. But it may be he saw the same thing. Then suddenly it turned to pitch black, as if the whole world had gone dark at that moment. All the people were in a frenzy. They became disoriented, and some were even screaming. After some time, we heard an army approaching. Soon, we saw them coming out of the black mist. All were dressed in black except one. That one seemed to be their leader. He was dressed in a red robe with a thick black belt over his waist. On his head he had a sign. As I looked, I saw that in his hand he held a sharp, some kind of sharp spear as everyone else in the army. I'm Lucifer, he explained. I am the king of this world. I have come to make war against the Christians. It looked as though all the Christians were huddled together in one big group. Some began to cry when they heard this. Others began to tremble. While some just stood without saying anything, Lucifer continued to speak. All of those that want to fight against my army and think that they can be victorious 
Move to the right. Those that fear me go to the left. Only about a quarter of the group stepped to the right. All the others went to the left. Then Lucifer ordered his army, destroy those on the right. The army began to advance and quickly surrounded the Christians on the right. As it began to close in on us, a powerful light appeared and encircled us. Then an angel of the Lord spoke and said, Take out your swords and fight. Defend yourselves and be victorious over the enemy. A man of the group said, What swords? What swords? The word of the Lord is your sword, the angel said. When we, when we understood what the angel meant, we began to quote verses from the Bible. Well, I got a question. How can we quote verses from the Bible if we never memorized them? Oh, Stan, when are you going to get off this memorization stuff? I got a better question. When are you going to start memorizing? <laughs> To quote verses from the Bible, then suddenly, as if we were one voice, we began to sing a song. Our voices thundered so loudly that the dark army began to retreat in fear. They did not have the courage to come against us anymore. Lucifer, then filled with rage, turned to those on the left, you, who all of your life have been trying to please two masters. Because you could not stand against me, I have now been given the power to destroy you. See how these are fitting together? Is this the word of the Lord for us today? Yes. Then he ordered his army to attack. It was a total massacre. The ones on the left could not defend themselves. Why? Because they didn't have belief. Their lives were not clean. They hadn't memorized scripture. You can't go, oh, wait, wait, where, where's my cell phone? Wait, somebody got a Bible? Yeah, that's right. Or that's true. They're memorized verses from some other whatever version. Then he orders the army to attack. This is a total massacre. The ones on the left could not defend themselves. One by one, they all fell. This killing seemed to go on for a long time. After a while, we could smell the stench of the dead. Why could, we, why could they not be protected also, someone asked. The angel answered, because all of their life, they have been lukewarm. Because of their hypocrisy. The true church has been blasphemed. They have brought disrespect to the word of God. They were not clean. Now let's talk about that a second. What does it mean when it says, because all of life have been lukewarm? Well, I don't going to let them tongue talk in churches. I wouldn't stand up to pray. I wouldn't read my Bible. I mean, I've still got to, watch. I've got to be in the world. I've got to have the things of the world. I've got to enjoy the world. And at the church, they say I shouldn't do that. You know, when I don't hear an amen, I start wondering, well, maybe I'm stepping on toes. Maybe they're too much in the world. Maybe, they're, maybe they like what I'm, no, I don't believe that. Because all the life they have been lukewarm because of their hypocrisy, in other words, they say they're Christians, but they don't walk the walk. And the true church has been blasphemed. They have brought disrespect to the word of God. 
What does that mean? Brought disrespect to the Word of God. They've called themselves Christians, but they haven't acted like Christians. Okay, truth is, we've all made our mistakes like that, but we need to keep them to a bare minimum. As we continue to look, we saw the sun coming over the horizon. The black clouds begin to break up. Then they disappeared. Only one was left on which Lucifer and his army stood. Lucifer looked at me, shaking his fists, and said, I will destroy you, even if I have to throw my spear at you from here. Then that cloud disappeared too. As I looked around, I began to see the faces that I recognized from our group. I saw a pastor from Bellflower, another from Indiana, another from Michigan, as well as many of my American friends. This strengthened me greatly. Then I awoke. The first thought that came to my mind as I awoke was that this had been the last fight of the devil against the church. If we remain faithful, we will be victorious. <clears throat> Michael Boldea again. That night I went to bed. I prayed to God to keep me, my wife, me and my wife safe, as I do every night, and fell into a restless sleep. As I slept, I had a dream. I dreamt I was sleeping, and suddenly I felt the presence in my room, and I opened my eyes to see the same man standing by, beside my bed. Hands at his side, looking down at me. He was not, I was not scared, for I'd seen the man in my dreams many times before. I sat up and waited for the man to speak. The Father has sent me to strengthen you, he began. You have said in your heart, I know what is to come and do not fear it. But if it be your will, protect the one I love. Come, see, and be strengthened. The man said, extending his right hand, I took his hand and instantly we were on a, a high plateau that was very large in size and as I looked my eyes began to adjust to the dusk. I realized that we were not alone. A great army was standing at attention, all dressed for battle, swords in hands, each one glowing it seemed from within. There were rows upon rows of angels in armor in perfect formation. It was a stunning sight behold. I was speechless as I scanned this great army, extending as far as the eye could see. Suddenly the man standing beside me gave me an almost imperceptible nod, and the entire army ascended up toward the heavens like a million fireflies and began to disperse, each one going his own way. Still, too stunned to speak, I followed the lights with my eyes until I could see them no more. Before I could ask any questions, the man smiled and looked at, looked at me and smiled. He says, they are the guardians, he said. They are protectors of the righteous. Soon, all will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those of a pure heart and those in which darkness still resides. Soon, it begins. I don't know about you, but I want protection. I want that angel beside us. I want him guiding and directing. I want to be him to be that voice behind us, speaking to our heart, saying this is the way, walk you in it. I want to be shown the better things of God. I want to be found right in his eyes. As he spoke these words, the ground began to shake under my feet, and I heard a powerful explosion to my left, and I Another to my right, as I woke up, I could feel a searing heat on my face. I share this dream today in the hope that it will strengthen you as much as it has strengthened me. As children of God, we should not fear that which has come upon the earth. 
We are his beloved, and the angels of God have already been dispatched to protect his children. Our duty remains what it has always been, to daily do the will of God, to daily crucify the flesh, and daily press in and desire to know him more. So, God is able. God is able. The question is whether we will be able. Can we, are we able to come out of the world and keep ourselves spotless? And like Leslie says, blameless. Blameless. In other words, nobody can come up and say that we've done anything wrong. That's where we need to be heading for. So as John 3.16 says that everybody can have spiritual eternal life. Nevertheless, before we were born, we were all sinners. We can receive the gift of God. It's free. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we can be saved. Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. So if someone in the room or online were to say, Stan, what must I do to get an angel to protect me in the day ahead? What must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to begin to hear the voice of God in my heart? I would simply say, first, ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Make him your Lord and Savior. Do everything you can in your life to push toward him. He is the real reason we live and breathe and have our being. I would pray a prayer. Well, I don't know that prayer. Would you mind showing me what words should be said? I guess so. Let's all say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I admit admit I'm a sinner. sinner. I ask you to forgive my sins. sins. Write my name in the book of life. life. Keep me holy. holy. Save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Okay, if you're online, you just prayed that prayer, or if you're in the room, just raise your hand. You just prayed that prayer for the very first time. If you did just pray that prayer for the very first time, send me an email. Send me an email because it's important before God, before somebody someplace, that you tell people that you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And I'd also encourage you to become a ministry member down at the bottom. And you can just do that by going to spiritofprophecychurch.com or Prophecy Club, and you can join. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to come out of the world and be separate. Help us to not look like the world, walk like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, remove the world from us. We want to be pleasing in your eyes, living our life the way that is right in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you have prayer requests, come on up. Leslie and I will be happy to pray for you. And Jonathan. Okay.